Murder on the Music Scene has rebranded. We are now going by the name Mysterious-ish. Join us for Season 2 of Mysterious-ish, where we will be discussing conspiracy theories such as time travel and aliens. Season 2 premieres March 22nd with two new episodes. Murder on the Music Scene contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. to Murder on the Music Scene, the podcast where a music educator and a music enthusiast discuss the deaths of musicians and the mysteries surrounding them. I'm Caitlin. I'm Erica. And today we will be discussing the death of Lisa Lopez, aka Lisa Left Eye Lopez. We'll get to it. Okay, thank you. We'll get to it. Thank you. I'll explain, (laughs) I promise. Okay, so um, this is our second episode that we've recorded today, so... Um, we're just gonna get into it. No business. No business. Hope y'all are having a good holiday season. Oh, yes. Merry Christmas. Here we go. Happy Hanukkah. Yes. Happy holidays. Yes, yes. Whatever you celebrate. Uh Uh-huh, exactly. All right, here we go. Lisa Nicole Lopez was born on May 27th, 1971 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her parents were Ronald Lopez Sr. and Wanda Denise. Ronald was a staff sergeant. I almost said sergeant. Staff sergeant in the army, and Wanda was a seamstress. Um, she would eventually have two younger siblings, Ronald Jr. and Raina, which I fucking love the name Raina for a girl. I love it. I think That's I had cute. a student named Raina. I did, but it wasn't spelled like this. Hers is literally R-A-I-N-A, and I think my student's name was spelled R-E-Y-N-A. So Lisa said that her father was, quote, very strict and very domineering, and that he ran his household like a boot camp. Oh, God. Um, But he was also a talented musician who played harmonica, clarinet, piano, and saxophone. Yeah, harmonica. I don't know a single human being who can play the harmonica. Same. It's fine. So Lisa's parents divorced when she was young. Uh, I was not able to find her the exact age that her parents were divorced. So this led to her paternal grandmother to raise her later in her life. Lisa started playing with a toy piano when she was five years old and eventually learned how to play a real one. She was already writing songs when she formed a trio with her younger siblings. This trio was called the Lopez Kids. Aww. We're not there yet. Hold on. I was going to say, I was like, wait, they were all sisters? <laughs> no, no, no. She had a brother and a sister. Oh. <laughs> My bad, Ronald. The Lopez Kids was her first trio. <laughs> and they would perform at local events and during church services. Lisa went to Philadelphia High School for Girls. Um, I also read that the family tended to move around a lot because of Ronald's position in the army. This allowed Lisa to adapt easily and make friends easily. Apparently, Ronald was occasionally physically abusive and had an alcohol problem, which Lisa also picked up on in her teens. Um, she, I read somewhere that she started becoming heavily involved in alcohol at the age of 15, which is very young and that's very sad. Um, so Lisa had tried to run away plenty of times during her teenage years, but she officially left home when she was just 17. Um, one of the only things she took with her 
her portable keyboard. So I know that that whole little bit was kind of disjunct and there were a lot of blanks that I unfortunately cannot fill in for you. Um, but that's literally all I could find about her childhood. Like, that's hmm. it. So moving on to the start of her career, Lisa heard about a casting call for a new all-girls group and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. She slayed that audition and was promptly placed into a group, which was going to first be called Second Nature, with Tion Watkins and Crystal Jones. The group's name would be changed to TLC. And um, then Crystal Jones dropped out. Thanks. The C in TLC was gone. Um, the girl's manager, Perry Pebbles, read, <laughs> what? I didn't even realize that's what TLC was. <laughs> was just their fucking initials. All right, love that. <laughs> Tion, Lisa, Crystal. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So, Perry Pebbles, read, brought in Rosanda Thomas. Um, but how are they gonna preserve the name TLC? Well, Lisa came up with a name for Rosanda. Chili. They called her Chili. Um, Tion, or, sorry, Tion, actually, it might be Tion, I don't know, I'm sorry, I didn't, I meant to, like, look up interviews, I'm sorry, I suck. Uh, Tion became T-Boz, which, T for T, Tion, and Boz is apparently slang for boss. Oh, okay. And Lisa, well, she became Left Eye. So, uh, how did good old Left Eye earn that nickname? Well, <laughs> Michael Bivens of the new group or, sorry, of the group New Edition, once told Lisa that he was attracted to her because of her left eye. She would uh, later capitalize on this nickname by, first of all, calling herself left eye. But secondly, by wearing glasses with a condom over the right lens in order to uh, show their support of safe sex. And she would also don a black stripe under her left eye, but eventually she got her left eyebrow pierced. Man, mm. the, uh, the 90s. The 90s. Was a fucking wild time. So here we go. So TLC released their debut album, Ooh, on the TLC tip on February 25th, Ooh. 2002. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> it's literally when I was typing it, I was trying to do like the exact name. So I was like, okay, there's a bunch of O's and three H's. <laughs> I was like, O, two, three, four, fuck this. <laughs> It's fine. So this album featured four hit singles and sold six million copies worldwide. Their first album. So uh, it skyrocketed these girls into the spotlight. Here they are. (laughs) Soon after TLC's debut, Lisa started dating NFL football player Andre Rison. I'm not sure if it's Rison or Rison. I don't know. I'm sorry. This relationship was not great, to say the least. On September 2nd, 1993, Lisa filed an assault charge against Andre, which he denied. Lisa was battling an addiction to alcohol at the time, and since she had started drinking heavily when she was only 15 years old. Another, um, way more dramatic fight between Lisa and Andre, um, where Lisa caught Andre in bed with another woman. Lisa- I'm not gonna lie, that's my biggest fear, that I'm gonna, like, catch Luke, because, like, I feel like- that's the one time I would, like, actually murder someone. Mm-hmm. Like, Crime of passion. Yeah. So, here's what Lisa did. She proceeded to take a bunch of teddy bears that Andre had gotten her. She threw them in the marble bathtub, doused them in lighter fluid, and set them on fire. Mm. 
You go, Lisa. Yeah, yeah, I'd do the fucking same thing. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck these teddy bears. So this caused Andre to have to replace the marble bathtub with a fiberglass one. That's what he fucking gets. Which would prove uh, not great for Lisa. On June 9th, 1994, they had been fighting again. So Lisa took a bunch of Andre's brand new shoes, put them in the bathtub, doused them in lighter fluid, set them on fire. Except this time, the the fiberglass bathtub uh, fucking melted and caught the whole house on fire. (laughs) Well, that's what he fucking gets. (laughs) It was their house. She set their house on fire. (laughs) I can't. Whatever. She probably was like, yeah, this worked the first time and nothing bad, like, really came of it, so I'm gonna do it again. Yeah. And then she was like, mm, fuck. Exactly, <laughs> and that was his, that was his dumbass, like, man, maybe I should have looked into, like, what, what would keep me safe. <laughs> because this, right. this, this bitch already lit all my shit on fire once, who says she ain't gonna do it again? Exactly. Maybe you should look into, do fire glass, fire glass. Fiberglass tubs burn. Maybe just do like a real simple. Yeah. Oh, well, this was in 1994, so I guess you couldn't just Google it. (laughs) But so um, our girl got arrested and she was indicted on first degree arson charges and was sentenced to five years of probation. Okay. Plus a $10,000 fine. She got a slap on the wrist for fucking arson. Arson! She set a house on fire! But it was her house. I can't. Sorry, Lisa. Um, but girl, you should have done some time for that one. No, 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 no. What she should have done was dipped. <laughs> <laughs> no, because then she actually would have done time for fucking fleeing the scene of an arson. No, she should have been like, wasn't me. Okay, but... I don't know. Okay, but listen. Hear me out. She's black. She's a black woman. And... I guess I don't know if Andre is black, but it's his his word against hers. You know what I mean? Like who the, who are the police gonna believe? Yeah, I, don't <clears throat> I don't know. Any of us like non rich and famous people would have been uh, imprisoned for that stunt. We would have like never gotten out of jail. So um whatever. Despite her setting his house on fire, Lisa and Andre eventually reconciled, hmm. and they continued dating for basically the rest of Lisa's life. You're tearing me apart, Lisa. Mm-hmm. I know. I can't. So, TLC's second album, Crazy Sexy Cool, all one word, um, was released on November 15th, 1994. This album featured collabs with artists such as Organized Noise, Chucky Thompson, and THE Sean Puffy Combs. So, now, Lisa was in rehab during much of the production of this album, but was released in order to attend recording sessions. Here's a quote about the album. Quote, an R&B and hip-hop soul album, Crazy Sexy Cool featured hip-hop beats, funk, deep grooves, propulsive rhythms, and smooth production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This album debuted at number 15 on the Billboard charts and peaked at number 3 on the Billboard 200. It remained on the charts for over two years. It was there for over two years. 23 million copies were sold worldwide, earning it a diamond certification. The next album, which would, that would, oh, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) everything's, that's what reminds me of. (laughs) The next album that would outsell this album was the Spice Girls, Spice, which came out in 1996. Crazy Sexy Cool features one of my personal favorite TLC songs, 
waterfalls. That's the only one that know. chasing waterfalls. Do the rim and the I thought it was chasing. It is. What did I say? Or no, I thought it was Jason. Sorry, when I was younger. I thought it listen, was Jason. Listen, I literally have insert anecdote about go, go, Jason waterfalls. Because listen, my mom's name is Jamie. Van Halen has that song. Oh, 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 Jamie's crying. You know that one? And then TLC has waterfalls. And I literally thought they were saying, go, go, Jason waterfalls. And I literally, as a kid, was like, wow, both my parents have a song. Ha, ha, ha. No. They're saying, don't go, Jason. Jason. dad's name is Jason? (coughs) Yes. Dude, I've always just known him as Jay, so I thought it was literally just J, like J-A-Y. No, J-A-I, first of all. Oh, see? I don't even fucking know that. No. His real name is Jason, but he does not like being called Jason. I don't blame him. Anyway. Friday 13th. That's why I think of Jason. Ooh, you know what I might do? Spend the rest of the day watching the Scream movies, because why not? There you go. I finished Tiger King yesterday, so I don't have anything to do. Anyways... So, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, Go, go, Jason Waterfalls. Okay. This song and its accompanying music video earned the group MTV Video Music Award for Video of the Year. They also won Best R&B Album and Best best R&B Performance by a Duo or Group for the song Creep. So, normally I wouldn't get into this because it really focuses on, like, the whole group rather than just Lisa Lopez. But I think this is really important. So, on July 3rd, 1995, TLC filed for bankruptcy. Oh, wait. What? But their albums have been so successful thus far. Why? How are they? How are they bankrupt? Well, it turns out that their uh, managing team was a shit show and a half. After everyone who had to be paid got paid, the girls ended up with less than $50,000 a year. What the fuck? So after having sold 23 million copies of one album, they were earning $50,000 a year. So the team of people that were working with um, the girls included the production company Pebitone, Arista Records, Arista or Arista, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Arista. Arista Records and LaFace Records, who were apparently charging for personal expenses such as airline travel, hotels, promotion, music videos, food, clothing, and more. Not only did those companies have to get paid, but also the managers, lawyers, producers, and freaking taxes because taxes. So the girls tried to renegotiate their contracts with LaFace Records, which they were only receiving, um, 56 cents per fucking album sold. Per album. 56 cents. I cannot. They weren't even earning a full dollar for every single album sold. I can't. But LaFace Records refused to negotiate, um, which led the bankruptcy position, which led to the bankruptcy petition on the group's part. Long story short, this case lasted two years. LaFace did end up renegotiating and the girls cut ties with Pebitone under the condition that Pebitone would still receive a percentage of royalties on future releases. Which is bullshit, in my humble opinion. If they're not signed with you, you shouldn't get anything from their fucking future, future releases. You shouldn't. That's not how it works. Sorry, not sorry. So anyways, TLC's third album, Fan Mail, was released on February 23rd of 1999. 
However, this album did not make it out without drama. This album was delayed a number of times because of an internal dispute between the members of the group and their main producer, Dallas Austin, who was dating Chili at the time. He wanted $4.2 million and creative control over the album. He, or the girls did not like that. During this tumultuous time for TLC, each of the girls was sort of doing their own thing. Lisa opened her own production company called Left Eye Productions, <laughs> where she signed another female R&B trio. She also hosted an MTV talent series called The Cut. And I read that, like, Neo came out of this show. Like, that's how oh. Neo came to the scene. Yeah. It was crazy. <clears throat> so TLC started to work with other producers on their third album. But eventually they renegotiated with Dallas Austin. This new album debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 chart and hit a six-time six platinum. It sold 14 million copies worldwide. The lead single for this album? A scrub is a guy that thinks he's oh. flying is also known as a buster. I'm money on his broke ass. This is the episode we get copywritten. Here we go. <laughs> no scrubs, which I am absolutely obsessed with and i'm not sorry about it so fan mail received eight grammy nominations and won three being best r&b album best r&b song and best r&b performance by a duo or group with vocals tlc was also awarded the aretha franklin entertainer of the year award at the lady of soul awards r.i.p aretha anyways they then embarked on a world word world word world word word I wish you. They then embarked on a worldwide tour called the Fan Mail Tour in which they made a pay-per-view special of the tour. Do you remember pay-per-view? Mm-hmm. I don't because I was never allowed to do it because we were broke. Because we were broke. I mm. mean, we never did it, but I know about it. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because same. <laughs> Fucking, <laughs> broke is a joke, but Fucking you know. pay-per-view. It was like, like a whole ass monthly expense if we decided to rent a movie from pay-per-view. Like, Listen, you want to know... How poor I was as a child. Yes. I didn't even know Netflix was a thing when I was a child. Like, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. When we were children, Netflix was a thing. But Wait. it was just strictly DVDs. For real? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Because Luke told me that and I was like, no. What? Yeah. Order it in the mail. Like fucking Blockbuster? Wait, no. No. You, I think you could order Blockbuster DVDs through the mail, I, I think. Know. But, like, through, yeah, just through the mail. That's I think it's through the mail. I don't fucking know. I never did it, obviously. So, it's like, it's like red box minus the, yeah. the, the red box. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Whatever. Fuck. So, this uh, pay-per-view special would become pay-per-view's highest grossing televised special. So, the girls are completely killing it. Like, killing the game, doing the damn thing. Hell yeah. But, um... Our little Lisa, she's feeling a little down in the dumps. Why? Well, because she feels that she is unable to completely express herself in TLC. She was limited to doing eight-bar raps, but was often left out of songs entirely. They even brought in other backup singers instead of just having Lisa do it on songs she didn't rap in. So if they were performing and she was, like, not included on the song, she just had to be backstage. Which is bullshit. So, um, how did Lisa handle this? Well, mm. she set the stage on fire. 
as we know, Lisa is not very good at um, confronting the issue head on. She's my spirit animal. She's very petty. I strive I'll to be for it. the level of petty that she is. So here's what she did. She challenged her groupmates. Um, Entertainment Weekly. Are you ready for this? You're not ready for this. Entertainment Weekly published a letter written by Lisa. It said, quote, I challenged Tion player Watkins and Rosanda hater Thomas to an album entitled The Challenge, a three CD set that contains three solo albums. Each album will be due to the record label by October 1st, 2000. I also challenged producer Dallas, the manipulator Austin, to produce all of this material and do it at a fraction of his normal rate. As I think about it, I'm sure LaFace would not mind throwing in a $1.5 million prize for the winner. So, uh, girl got him. She said, fuck y'all, let me do some shit. Like, I'm capable of way more than you think I am, and I'm not being allowed to shine to my fullest potential. Fuck you, watch what I can do. Mm-hmm. So, um, this sat, this album, it didn't happen, unfortunately, because oh. um, the girls worked out their differences. Oh. Yeah, I know. Lame. <laughs> I mean, good, but lame. I was super hyped. I was like, fucking bet. She won, didn't she? I was ready. <laughs> I fucking wish. That would have been awesome. Anyways, so after the fan mail, t- fan mail tour, TLC decided to take a hiatus to pursue their own personal interests. Lisa started working on her first solo album called Supernova. The only single from the album, The Block Party, was released in the U.S. and the U.K. Um, It hit the top 20 on the U.K. singles chart, but it didn't do so hot in the United States. So the album's release was canceled for the U.S., but it was fully released in the U.K. In 2000, Lisa got to do a collab with Mel C. of the Spice Girls. They released Never Be the Same Again, and it became an international hit, reaching number one in 35 countries. I thought it was Mel B. There's five Spice Girls. Mel B, Victoria Beckham, Mel C, Emma Bunton, Jerry Hallowell. So there's two, because there's two Mel's. Okay, got it. Melanie Brown and Melanie Chisholm. Chisholm. I don't fucking know. So they have Mel B and Mel C. Got it. Mel B and Mel C. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, on August 1st, 2001, TLC performed Waterfalls at MTV's 20th anniversary party in New York City. This would be TLC's final performance before Lisa died. Okay, I'm gonna get a little hyped. Are you ready? Okay, so listen, 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 listen. Who was the most prominent figure in the rap scene in the 1990s? He wasn't a musician. No, 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 no. A producer. Who... Have we spoken of in like 17 fucking episodes to this point? Hint. That he killed Biggie and Tupac. That one dude, Sean Shug Shug. Shug Knight. Yeah. Shug fucking Knight. So this boy making a comeback here with Miss Lisa Lopez. Listen. Listen. Lisa ended her solo contract with Arista in order to sign with fucking Death Row Records in January of 2002. She ended her contract with this record label so that she could sign with Death Row Records, where Suge Knight was the CEO and president under this contract with Death Row. She was going to release a second solo album, um, but it would be under the pseudonym Nina. 
which stood for New Identity Not Applicable. She was going to be working with David Bowie, Ray J, Missy Elliott, and a bunch of other big name artists. This album, however, was unfortunately never finished and never released because on April 25th, 2002, Lisa was on vacation in the Honduras. On this day, she was driving a rented Mitsubishi Montero SUV. She swerved slightly to avoid a truck and then had to swerve very sharply to the left to avoid hitting an oncoming car. The SUV rolled several times, hit two trees, and threw Lisa and three of the nine passengers out of the windows. It finally came to, arrest, came to rest in a ditch at the side of the road. Lisa died instantly from a, quote, fracture of the base of the cranium and open cerebral trauma. She was the only person who was fatally injured in the crash. She was 30 years old. There is a video of the accident from inside the SUV because there was a documentary being filmed at that time. So in the vehicle were one of the groups that Left Eye, Left Eye Productions had signed. Mm-hmm. So a trio. And then she also had Lisa, so Lisa and then Lisa's little brother and little sister. And also two people from the film company that were filming this documentary. Mm-hmm. So there's a video of the mm-hmm. crash happening. Mm-hmm. I did not look for it because I don't think that my my feeble heart could handle it. So, Lisa's funeral was held at the New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in Lithonia, Georgia, on May 2nd, 2002. Her casket was engraved with lyrics from Waterfalls, quote, Dreams are hopeless aspirations and hopes of coming true. Believe in yourself, the rest is up to me and you. Lisa was then buried at Hillendale Memorial Gardens, also in Lithonia. Lisa left behind two adoptive children, Snow Lopez, who was adopted when she was nine years old, and Jamal Lopez, who was adopted when he was 12 years old. Chili from the group said that they would finish their album, which Lisa had already recorded a couple songs from, and that the album would be dedicated to her. She also said, quote, as for her being replaced, never. You can't replace a TLC girl. So to finish out, this quote from Jermaine Dupri. Quote, she was determined to be something in life. She was a true rock star. She didn't care about no press. She was the one rock star out of the group. She was the one that would curse on TV. She had the tattoos. You could expect the unexpected. When you see Lisa, you could expect something from her. That's the gift she carried. R.I.P. Lisa. <laughs> R.I.P. Bud. So, so sad. Okay. I, I have some thoughts. Okay, cool. I do not, too, since you mentioned a certain name. <laughs> um, so there's a conspiracy, and it's already been debunked. But um, some believed at first that she was murdered, as in a revenge killing. Because apparently, I don't know if it's true, but allegedly, just a week before her death, Lisa apparently ran over a girl and killed the girl. And so this person came back around and was like... I need you to pause for a sec. Alright, well, we're gonna pick up in the fucking middle of this because I just realized that um, my microphone was that was recording was not the correct microphone, so I'm sorry that the audio probably sounds like actual dog shit up until this point. I'm sorry. I checked it a couple times. I don't know what happened. Anyways, you were saying... Um, as I was saying... Uh, so someone came back around and was like, oh, well, I'm gonna do the same to you. Oof. 
But, I mean, obviously, that's kind of a weird, like, conspiracy because what was this person, the one that was coming the other the other direction? You know what I mean? Maybe they were the truck. But that would have had to be very, very, very... Like, Fast and Furious type planned. shit. Yeah. But I also read that the, the car was going, like, 85 miles an hour. So, like, the car she was driving mm-hmm. was going 85 miles an hour. So, like... Yeah, she fucking hit a tree and flipped. Like, it's... Sorry. But... Right. I don't know. I don't think... First of all, I didn't read anywhere that she hit anyone with yeah, her Yeah, I didn't... That was literally the only one, and I didn't see it. Like, there was... I didn't see any evidence that she ran over anyone. Me neither. She was kind of chaotic. Like, don't get me wrong. She <laughs> set her house on fire. And she fucking challenged her best friends to a, a, a musical duel mm-hmm. but she was chaotic but I don't think she would have and I feel like that would be a huge news story right you know what I mean yeah I feel like when you would look up her name I feel like it would still show up mm-hmm. like but it doesn't the first thing that shows up is set fire to mansion ah <laughs> yes of course so <laughs> um so good old should yeah that motherfucker took her and was like, you're something special like Tupac and Biggie. I see potential in you. You gotta go. Yeah. He was the truck. Oh, fuck. He is a truck. <laughs> yeah. He is. He is a truck. I, I don't, okay. I'm not saying that Suge Knight kills all of the people that he has ever been involved with. But I'm also not not saying it because at some point, when does the circumstantial evidence stop being circumstantial? Yes. Every single musician except Sean Combs, Puffy, P. Diddy. Mm. Every single musician that he has worked with has been killed. Tupac, Biggie, Easy e Lisa fucking Lopez now. What? Uh. And I'm sure more. To all come. I'm saying, all I'm saying is Puff Daddy, you better watch your fucking back, bud. Because Suge Knight, bad shit happens around him. Bad shit happens. He is either a murderer or he is a black hole for fucking chaos and death. And yeah. you need to watch your back, bud. And you need to watch your back, bud. So. Just has this bad energy and he just gives it to people. Yeah, exactly. Also, the, so the one sentence when I was doing my research that stood out to me, Lisa was the only one who was fatally injured. Yeah. How is she the only one out of nine passengers that died? Yeah, that is crazy to think about. There, I mean, she probably wasn't wearing, wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. But I feel like is the camera guy. I feel like any other documentary, the camera guy is never wearing a seatbelt. Right. Well, and normally, okay, so if we pretend that we've got, first of all, how the fuck did they fit nine people into an SUV? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, because you've got one, two, driver, passenger. Mm. Presumably you've got more bucket seats. So two, four, pretend we can fit a fifth one here, five. Six, seven, eight. Someone's in there illegally. Regardless. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be three people per mm-hmm. per row of seating. Right. 
So, because most SUVs... Unless if they're really small. Maybe. Like, they're, like, really, like, small people that can fit four or maybe. something. I don't know, but either way, someone's in there Ill- illegally. Yeah. So, normally, when there is a camera crew in a vehicle, all of the, like, point of views that I have seen have been, like, the the cameraman is in the the seat right behind the driver and passenger seats in the middle so that he can get view of both of them and that would make sense too because then if he's in the middle he can turn and see every single person in the whole car mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so he's probably not wearing a seatbelt the passenger probably isn't wearing a seatbelt there's someone in there Ill- illegally lisa since she was ejected from the vehicle, she obviously was not wearing a seatbelt. Mm-hmm. Seatbelts weren't huge in the 90s. Wait, this was the early 2000s. Seatbelts weren't huge then either. Mm-hmm. They weren't like as... Especially in a foreign country. Right. They exactly. Exactly. So, I don't know. I just don't understand how at least the passenger, the person who was in the passenger seat, wasn't also fatally wounded. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. It's a little sus. I don't... I don't know what happened, but I also don't understand why it happened like this. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't make sense that she was the only one that was hurt, but I don't know how it would have happened to make it to where she was the only one hurt. Right. I can't... My brain doesn't, like, go there. So I don't think, I think that's why I can't, like, figure out a story for what happened. Right. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, it's definitely a good point. Like, it's weird. Where, nobody, did you, you said nobody was really injured? Like, at all? I mean, nobody was fatally Fatally injured. I'm sure there, nobody else died. There injured injuries, but, like, Nobody else died. Had it be the mind control? Oh, yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, from the. Bringing that one back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't think it had anything to do with the other members of TLC. I don't think it had anything to do with anyone really not liking her, except maybe Suge Knight. Mm-hmm. Because, what the fuck, dude? If you are signed to Death Row Records at any point in your, t- in your life, it's literally a death sentence. That's why it's called Death Row. Yes. You... Are putting yourself. You are putting yourself on death row by signing with death row. Don't fucking do it. Don't do it. You listening right there. Don't sign to Shug. death row records with Suge Knight. Shug, don't do it. Suge Knight calls us. Hey. <laughs> I would shit my pants. I would literally cry and run. I would fake my death. <laughs> I would pull a Tupac. I'm out, my bitches. Well, don't tell anyone, because if he if he hears, he knows that you're still. I will not fake my death. <laughs> okay. Well, I honestly, I don't know if I believe any of the conspiracies no, for this one. I don't. I think it is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. I think Lisa was driving a little too fast. She was being a little reckless. Had too many people in her little SUV. I think. I tailed it left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I don't think. I don't think she was murdered by anyone. I think it was just a very, very tragic accident. I don't. I still like. I keep going back to it, but I don't understand how she was the only one that was injured, and I don't think there will ever be an explanation for it. Right. But I don't know. 
you have any more thoughts? All right. Well, that's all we have for you. I'm sorry that our audio sucked up until like 10 seconds ago. It's fine. I promise I'll do better. (laughs) All right. We will see you guys later. Bye. Goodbye forever. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Music Scene. Our cover art and our music and editing is done by Caitlin Anderson. Check out our website at murderonthemusicscene.com and don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Murder on the Music Scene. If you have suggestions or comments, email us at murderonthemusicscene at gmail.com. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. If you would like to support us, you can become a patron on Patreon. Just search Murder on the Music Scene or use the link on our website. Make sure to join us next time for another conspiracy-filled episode of Murder on the Music Scene.